Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Do you know who Kate Bush is, Em? Yes. I what, know one song. Sing me a song. We're running up that hill. Don't you know Wuthering Heights? That's God, even better. You make me seem like a good singer. <laughs> well, it's wow, so funny so that your generation. My heart Ouch. right now. It's so funny that the Youngs whole have just discovered Kate Bush and they're like, who is this amazing new artist? Because somehow on TikTok, the running down that road, running up that hill. has become big. It's um, Stranger Things. Season four, Stranger Things. You don't remember Wuthering Heights? She probably wasn't born. Give me a... I'm Kathy. Come home. Is it the one that's like... So cold. Yes, I love that song. Anyway, I knew when I saw this, on the, I knew when Mia said she had something she wanted to talk about. That I'd sing. I knew she was going to be singing. Wow. Mm. Jessie's not here. Well, so you didn't know you were going to hear my sweet falsetto, did you? <laughs> no. Yeah. I love that. It's funny because my daughter's often playing me songs now that she's like, this is cool. And I'm like, mate, this is from when I was a kid. Yeah, I know. TikTok's like, bringing the it all back. Exactly. <laughs> Have you heard of Coldplay, Mum? This She'll great say, little band. Did she say that? I'm like, because there's some Coldplay song that's on. T- Hello, anyway, Gwyneth. Enough. Anyway, enough. Pulling it together. Yes, Gwyneth. You mean my former husband? Mamma Mia Out Loud! Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about on Wednesday, the 1st of June. It's the 1st of June. Gemini season. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I am Emma Gillespie. And on the show today, are you fexting with partners, with friends? Jill Biden, the first lady of the USA, is, and so is Mia. And Tom Cruise is the most watched movie star in the world right now. So has nostalgia made us forget all the um, problems, let's say, with uh, Mr. Cruise? First, I want to talk about something that I haven't figured out what I think about yet. Some of the biggest stars of stage and screen have issued a call to arms against what they term ageism against women in the industry, which they say is outdated, harmful and neglects millions of people in the audience who appreciate seeing women over 45 telling the stories of our lives. There's a campaign that has made lots of headlines and popped up on social media and everything this week because quite a few high-profile English actors have put their name to it. And it's about trying to tackle the invisibility of women over 45 on screen. And one of the catch calls for it is that when it comes to actors and age, men have a whole life and women have a shelf life. Ooh, that's a good one. Apparently, the statistics show that equality for actors, there has been a lot of improvement in recent years in terms of pay parity and visibility and all those things between men and women on screen, but only until you hit 40. And at that point, the roles seem to dry up, the money seems to go down. And for women. Change. For women. 
whereas men seem to be allowed to keep going. This brilliant British actress that I love called Juliet Stevenson, she's in one of my favourite ever films, you should Google it, it's called Truly Madly Deeply, but you'd know her from being on heaps of TV shows, says that women over 45 are always cast as grumpy granny, reliable PA, bad mother, wonderful wife at home. They wear a lot of aprons and they hold a lot of trays, but they are very rarely holding the narrative. Oh, Now, the thing that's interesting about this is that this campaign, it's called Acting Your Age, is pushing for change. And what they're actually pushing for is for there to be quotas, just as there are quotas now in lots of union-based acting jobs in terms of race equity and gender equity, that there should also be age equity quotas installed so that you should have 50-50% of age representation in dramas and non-fiction shows. What? Like 50% over 45 and 50% under 45? All on-screen fictional content and light entertainment programmes with male and female leads or presenters should have 50-50 equal age representation. Oh, no. How do you do that? This is really interesting. Presenters of documentaries should be represented equally with 50-50 gender initiatives and include age parity between women and men who are 45 plus. That seems easier than... A 50-50 on the set of a drama. Age parody in political panels, discussions, news packages and studio guests. And this is really interesting. Celebrity and entertainment news should feature women and men over 45 equally and use recent photographs. Isn't wow, that interesting? interesting so there are two things I want to unpack here. One is when I read about this, I was like, I can't quite see all the practicalities of, of how those quotas would work because what if the fictional piece is very much about young people, etc. Anyway, but I also found myself fist pumping a bit. And then I thought, hold on, if I was a young woman in my 20s, who I don't generally think realise just how youth obsessed pop culture is, and often women in their 20s tell me that they feel overlooked and not very powerful and voiceless Mm. and all those things. Would I think this was great? Or would I think, oh, the bloody boomers, in inverted commas, they just want everything, don't they? And so I thought, I know a young person. M. Gillespie, what do you think? It's interesting when you brought this up, Holly, because I do have an acute awareness of the age problem in pop culture and I wonder if that's because I have mentors in my life like the two of you and am I an accurate sample size, if you will, of what the average Mm -hmm. 20-something woman might think. But there is this feeling of inadequacy that has really crept up in my own life Every year when someone extremely famous happens in either film or music or TV and I realise that they're a lot younger than me mm. or I Google Jessie them this too. or I follow them on Instagram, it's not their fault, like, good for you, like, you're young and famous and hot, but I feel like, oh, my God, they're five years younger than me. Does that mean I've missed my window to be successful? But on the other side of that, I actually think that there's something really aspirational about ageing that at least I perceive. For me, especially in a professional context, I've often felt a lot of frustration about the limitations of my age, maybe. Frustration's probably not the right word, but I feel it being on Out Loud with you two. There's certain wisdom and knowledge and life experience that I can never bring to so many topics that we're going to discuss. And of course I can intimidate someone. (laughs) 
You know what's good? Oh, from Jessie Wisdom, anymore. I love it. Well, I'm very yeah. wise. You can be intimidating, mm. not because you're not two of the warmest, loveliest people I know, but just because... Because we're older and we know more shit. <laughs> we know more shit. And there's this bit from this comedian, Ronnie Chang, who I really love, yeah. and it's that people under 25 don't know what the F they're talking about. And I heard that bit in a performance that he did when I was at uni. He absolutely bombed because the whole theatre was, was under 25. Under and I was pissed off at him. I was mm. like, Ronnie Chang, what? Yeah. And then in the years since turning 25, I've realised, oh, yeah, no. you. The older you yeah. get, the less you realise that you know. <laughs> but also, isn't it, because a lot of this to do with pop culture is obviously to do with appearance, right? Yes. And... The idea, you know, in some of the interviews with the older actresses I've seen talking about this is saying, you know, as soon as your face looks a bit older, it's suddenly you're morphing into these roles that Juliet Stevenson's talking about, granny, mum, sensible wife. and Not if you're Nicole Kidman. Well, indeed. So, I mean, maybe if that's a very good and strong argument mm. for why you do try and keep looking young. Yes. But I also think that when I was young, young, I actually had no concept of my power in terms of like my, not that I'm suggesting I was a hot Margot Robbie or anything, of course I bloody wasn't, but you know, I didn't yeah. really feel my youth as a power. Youth is I've, wasted on the young. Yeah, exactly. You don't when, feel it until it's taken away gone. from you, which it is at our age when you start becoming invisible. But I just don't understand, this is like saying that characters in books have to be of a certain age. I don't understand because it's not just about the people casting. You have to go further back to the people writing the scripted series. And even with a documentary, I think it's different if you're talking about like the host of a TV show or someone on breakfast television or someone hosting Big Brother. And those people do tend to be older generally. I mean, Sonia Kruger is a Gold Logie nominee and she's in her mid-50s, late 50s, I think. But if you're hosting a documentary, for example, it's probably because you're really, really interested in that subject matter. So why should you be discriminated against because you are 35 or I don't think 25? It's, yeah. I think it's more problematic, this quota idea in terms of the scripted series, that it has to be 50-50 mm. on the set of a drama. Like that Dolly Alderton show that's coming up, Everything I Know About Love, it's about young women. So does that mean that we don't see the stories of young women or we pad them out? I think maybe you look at it in terms of a year. So if you think about it in terms of what Netflix would commission, for example, of course, you could never legislate any of this because these are all private companies. But if it was, okay, when you look at your whole slate for the year, so obviously you can't say, okay, in a show about 20-somethings, we need half the people to be over 45. Okay. But a show that I really loved was um, Love Me that was on Binge and told a beautiful story about young people but also told a story about older people and you saw older people having sex and that was people in their 70s. And that's a story that I, you don't see told much. So it would be lovely if we had more stories about all sorts of different people of different, you know, religions and ages and races and sexualities and ages. Because I think when people talk about inclusion and diversity, 
they often don't think about age. Yes, and I think that's what this campaign's really about, right? Yeah. You're right, Mia, that you can't necessarily enforce any kind of quotas or legislation on private companies, but you can hold them to diversity standards, and that has been very successful in getting a lot of the content that we see on our screens. You know, it's mm. by no means perfect, but more diverse than it was even 10 years ago in terms of ethnicity and gender. And I think that now what a campaign like this is doing is pushing for age to be included in yeah, that bucket. which I'm and in it, favour of. I think also what it's sort of saying is if you're going to have old men, you have to have old women too. I think that's what it's saying. Because that's the problem, isn't it? If you're an actor, the men keep getting parts at every age, but once a man hits about 40, his partners stay in their 20s. And then maybe once he hits 70, they might move into their 30s. So you get a a Robert De Niro who can do, a Clint Eastwood who can perform in, you know, into their 90s. They'll be paired with Margot Robbie. (laughs) Exactly. And we don't think about it. The important thing about this is it starts the conversation. It's more front of mind in terms of Mm. like the script writing, the production companies. But you think of like a Helen Mirren, you sort of have to search your mind for someone who is an older woman in the public eye. It's like Love Me is a show that we think of. I think of Hacks, amazing show. Yeah, but it's, at the moment. you really have to consider, oh, what are the shows that have yeah. the older women on them rather than like, you know, you can rattle off a hundred different shows that have got old blokes on them. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. talk about fexting. Dr. Jill Biden is married to the President of the United States, Joe Biden, and she's given an interview this week where she's talked about how she and her husband, Joe, when they fight, they do it by text. (laughs) And they've been doing this for a really long time because when he was Vice President to Barack Obama, they had Secret Service around them all the time. If they wanted to have an argument about something, they often didn't have any privacy. So the way they had to do it was by text. That is so And they called it texting, That's fighting by so text. so good. <gasps> and last week on the show, we spoke about how when you become parents, you have to have sex quietly. And the other thing that you can't do or that you shouldn't do if you've got little kids in the house, even though most of us have, is fight really loudly in front of your kids. I know that I grew up with parents who fought a lot and... That was not great, but in their defence, they did not have texts, so they couldn't. <laughs> they could pass shorts, but that would have been really <laughs> Short awkward. Short of writing angry notes to <laughs> each other. Exactly. If they could just send a carrier pigeon from one end of the yeah. house exactly. to the other. Exactly. Please pass telegram. this to your mother. It's Please so pass true. this over. But I love this because it is exactly what Jason and I do, and we have been for a long time because we've been parents for 25 years. We became parents soon after we met, so we've never really had the privacy to have big ding-dongs. And occasionally you do. Occasionally you just can't help but have a big shout. It's stressful for other people in the house. It's not just people who are have kids. It's also if you've got flatmates. Yeah. And you've just yeah. moved out of a flatmate situation. I'm a big fexter. 
And I love that Jill Biden does this because I've often wondered if it was a petty or toxic personality trait, but now I know that it's smart because Jill Biden is a doctor and she is a smart lady. I think texting can be really productive because if you're A, dealing with a poor communicator or you are B, someone who gets quite emotional, maybe in the heat of the argument, you can articulate your thoughts in a much more considered way and you can also be a lot more respectful to the person on the receiving mm. end. So my rules of texting, it needs to be considered paragraphs. You can't be shooting off like one sentence Ooh, and getting I reckon quick, you, you're, no caps. You're doing that. No right? rapid fire. How do you know, Hal? <laughs> no rapid fire, so thoughtful paragraphs. Oh, come on. You need to give the recipient space to receive the message uh-uh. and then think of their reply. It can't be an instant reply. I'm not playing by any of these rules. It's also good. I do freestyle texting. <laughs> no, it's got to be respectful. Otherwise, you might as well just have the screaming ding dong or go to the car and scream at each other in your mm. soundproof vehicle in the garage. The other good thing <laughs> about the text is, and this is something that my petty self loves, paper trail, digital trail, you can hold them more to Ooh, account. Yeah. So the next time you're fexting and you say, you said that you were going to own this and take responsibility and take the rubbish Here's a out. screenshot. And they're well, like, I never said that. It's and funny you say that because receipts. Jill Biden said that she was recently fexting with Joe and he fexted back, do you know this is going to be on the public record forever? Because all of the president's yes, communications right. are public property. But the choices- and she said, I won't tell you when I called him on that occasion. And she's like, good, I'm glad it's on the record. <laughs> it like- should be on the record. <laughs> have your fight in front of government agents or text fight and have it on the public record that like school children will read in I, 300 years. I'm not a fexter. I don't like to keep a paper trail. <laughs> I don't like Evidence. to put things in writing. That yeah. is always difficult. I'm really surprised smart. because you're a writer and you express yourself well, so well in the written Well, here's the other word. reason why, and it's interesting because we are all quite wordy people. If Brent and I were fexting, I would win every time. That's right? why I love it. That's why I, I, I have it. an unfair it's advantage. It's not to say that Brent oh, is a, Brent's also a journalist and he's good with words too, but I'm a much more proficient texter than him and I'm much better on social media than him and all those places. So I would nail him always if I was fexting and that seems like that could cause more problems than it would solve. I can't believe you two are so reasonable. (laughs) I love it because I am fast on the text. You are really. And I am words. Yes. So I win every time. I think it's because I've been unreasonable on the text. Like I can remember high school fights and it being like the back and forth bitchy text exchange and that was never, ever productive. It just made you more upset with each other, like your girlfriends, for example. Mm. But now, and like I've dated. I'm also unreasonable. See, this is me in a fight, right? takes a lot to get me cross, but when I'm cross, I go really high, really fast, and then I also come down quickly. I don't hold grudges. So mm. if I put things in writing, that would be bad. In that moment, I will be furious. So I will be like, I'm fucking leaving. This is it. You know what I mean? I don't mm. know if I want that. That's why the next is good. You won't be as dramatic. But you're absolutely about right though? about the kids, right? So it only happened this week. We were at the dinner table and I won't pretend we eat dinner together every night because we don't. We're not that family. We're not very good at it, but we do try to. Brent and I were having a row about something at the table and the kids are now at that age where they just immediately just go, stop fighting, yeah. stop fighting. They're very sensitive to wow. it and I don't want them to be around that. And so it's true. We need to find a new solution. Fexting. Oh, fexting. So Highly I need recommend. to maybe take some lessons from you two. Mm. If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, 
we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for M Plus subscribers. To get full access, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash M Plus. That's M P L U S, or follow the link in the episode description. I feel the need. The need for Mamma Mia out loud. Have either of you seen Top Gun Maverick yet? No. no but I will. I actually really? will. I actually will. This Only because everyone keeps telling me it's good. I was like, Same. as if I'm going to see that. And then everyone, like people I yeah, respect, and Laura Brodnick, our entertainment guru and everything, is, keeps saying to me, no, it's a great movie. I feel the exact same way. Totally wasn't going to see it. wasn't even on my radar. Now I feel compelled to go and see it. So it's the sequel to the 1986 hit Top Gun, obviously. And this film has gone supersonic. It's raked in close to $220 million Aussie dollars. Wow. That was on the opening weekend alone. That's global office mega hit, especially in this day and age of less and less people going oh, to the cinema. I was thinking that it was Mission Impossible. No. That's a different no. one. Remember Top Gun, take my breath Oh, with Val Kilmer and Kelly McGillis. I feel the need. For speed. So to give you a bit of context around just how massive that opening weekend was, it marks the first time a film starring Tom Cruise has broken the $100 million mark on opening weekend. So he's had big movies. Whoa. but so this it's his is biggest ever movie. More than twice as big as any of his movies. And it makes it the highest opening non-superhero movie release since the pandemic began. So we know like Avengers and Spider-Man wow. or whatever, they dominate. He's back. But he's back. So the movie itself, as Hull suggested, it's broadly being received really well by critics and fans and people love it. Because people love it, we're back on a bit of a Tom Cruise train. It's a Tom Cruise renaissance. Which is the unfortunate part of all of this. Well, He's always so smug and exactly. I, it's a bit of me that's grumpy that this has gone so well for yeah, him. Yeah, I'm very grumpy about that. <laughs> I digress. It's almost 40 years since a handsome young Tom Cruise slid into our lives in risky business, popularising the laziest oh Halloween God. costume is we've ever 60? seen. 60 in July. It's got me wondering why. Why is he having a renaissance? Because, frankly, Tom Cruise should have been cancelled a long time ago, in my opinion, because he's done wild, highly controversial things over the course of his career. It seems as though he can't be cancelled, though. Before we get into this, I would like to remind you of some of those wild things that he has done. Most recently, he was recorded screaming at crew members on the forthcoming Mission Impossible 7 film for failing to heed COVID-19 safety measures. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And if I see you do it again, you're gone. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their phone because our industry is shut down. That could have been effects, I think. <laughs> I think cooler heads would have prevailed there in effects. put that in the group chat. Five people quit after that little outburst. We all knew that safety measures for COVID-19 are important. But I don't think he was going to get cancelled because of that because it was the time when people were feeling very emotional about COVID and restrictions and well, And he dressed it up in terms of unprotecting people's jobs. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know how I feel about screaming, unnecessary. Yeah, uh, no, agree. that's true. Agree. Other reasons that contribute towards this wild Tom Cruise, why hasn't he been cancelled image? I have to mention, of course, his most notorious incident, his 2005 interview on the Oprah Winfrey show. He jumped up on a couch, declared his love for Katie Holmes, and frankly, it remains one of the most bizarre displays of affection ever committed to video. Something to you. Something happened to you. I'm in love. I'm in love. 
So then they try and get Katie to come out on stage. She gets chased backstage by a camera crew. She's yeah. hiding her face. She doesn't want to be on TV. Well, that leads very nicely into the Tom Cruise Scientology era. Mm-hmm. We've heard so much about Tom Cruise and Scientology, such as that he made Katie Holmes give birth to his daughter Suri in complete silence. There are so many reasons that Scientology is problematic, but I want to point out one that I have recently learned. They don't believe in the field of psychology or psychiatry. No, they don't. Oh, no, that's the big thing. So they promote that you can heal your psychosomatic issues with their technology and they'll get in the way of people getting diagnosis, Mm -hmm. taking medications. Around that time, he had a very famous publicist that Holly and I had to deal with in our magazine days who was absolutely formidable and protected Tom from Tom because Mm -hmm. she made him not talk about Scientology. Just before he met Katie Holmes, after he split with Nicole Kidman, he got rid of that publicist, delved much deeper into Scientology and appointed his sister as his publicist. And she's a deep Scientologist as well. And so during this whole time with jumping on the couch, he then went on the Today Show and criticised Brooke Shields for taking yeah. medication yes. so for what I was going to say depression. is we know that he's anti-medication and mental health yeah. diagnosis because of what he said about Brooke Shields taking postpartum depression yeah. medications. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's all those things. He's all those things. Yeah, and also things. Katie Holmes had to go deep undercover and organise with her lawyer father to help extricate her from that marriage. She needed secret yes. burner phones. Great story. The way Where's they, the lowbrow episode Amazing story. The way they treat people who leave Scientology. They're called SPs, suppressive persons. It's a whole thing. Great Louis Theroux on this. And who can forget about the 60 Minutes Australia interview when Tom Cruise blasted Nice, kind man, Peter Overton, for doing his job. Here's the thing, Peter. You're stepping over a line now. You're stepping over a line. You know you are. I'm just telling you right now, put your manners back in. (laughs) I love all these things. I just, I feel very defensive. He was mean to Nicole Kidman, I suspect. He was mean to Peter Overton. Two darlings of the Australian screen. He's, so and what about, about Suri? He but, hasn't oh, seen Suri since who, the, Katie Holmes. This, yeah, he split up. This is to our all knowledge. accurate. He is very problematic, but I do not think he should be cancelled. He's got this second wave career high and it makes me think either that we have genuinely forgotten about these moments, which it's very clear to me that we haven't. So therefore, is the pull of nostalgia so powerful that we're choosing to ignore what we know about him off screen and why have other people been cancelled for less? Look, the thing is, is that all of those things are true and they're all problematic about Tom Cruise. He was and remains clearly the biggest star in Hollywood. Like he could get away with anything. Would you say that two years ago? No, but he was at this time. So when he was doing all this stuff, right, like he is literally the biggest star in Hollywood. So people of that level don't get cancelled unless they're women. Then they probably would. Can you imagine if that screaming at the crew situation that we just listened to, you're all going to lose your fucking jobs, blah, 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 was a woman? No way. They Catherine would Heigl be in a lot of trouble. But no one's cancelling Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is Hollywood. He runs Hollywood. He is the man. You know what I mean? So you can rage against that and you can choose to personally cancel him. But it's not like he's Mel Gibson throwing around enormously problematic anti-Semitic and racist slurs and, you know, abusing female police officers. And he's not Johnny Depp. He's not like the kind of level of a Hollywood star that gets that level of cancellation. Jumping bullshit. on the couch, there's nothing wrong with it. I think wolf in sheep's clothing. He doesn't do interviews anymore. It's interesting how this whole Top Gun sequel has been rolled out, the publicity for it. 
you know, he'll talk to fans on the red carpet and he'll do red carpet interviews, but he won't do one-on-one interviews anymore because he obviously is back with a publicist who knows that he's got to protect himself from himself. He's got to yeah. put his manners back in. But also yeah. this is the thing. It's an interesting generational divide, right? It's, you know how we all have celebrities that we either like or we don't like? And I always say I hate that when it comes to women, but I don't like Tom Cruise. I never have, right? And all my Gossip Magazine years, he made our lives very hard. <laughs> Because with the Scientologists, it is true that they are very litigious, very, very heavy-handed celebrities. And we were in the business of trying to dig around in their rubbish and they didn't like it. And fair enough, right? Who does? But he's a celebrity that I don't like. I don't like his vibe. I don't like his whole Master of the Universe thing. Mm. He is, as was famously said around the recent Will Smith Oscar moment, Will Smith always said, I want to be Tom Cruise. I'm going to model my career on Tom Cruise. He planned every moment of his ascent. He is a control freak. He is earnest. He doesn't treat people particularly well. Scientology is problematic for a lot of reasons, as you've said. So I'm not a fan of his, right? He's not my thing. But I don't believe that he should be disappeared. I do think that Mel Gibson should be disappeared. (laughs) Like, I think that you kind of have to make your lines about like, well, I don't approve of that, but that doesn't mean I think he Mm, should be cancelled. he shouldn't be able to make movies anymore. And I also think that movie stars are not supposed to be normal, right? They never are. I will always defend this point. But they're always going to be role models to someone. But he's he's allowed to keep making films and people can vote with their wallets. They can choose whether they go and see them or not. I voted with with my wallet about Mel Gibson a very long time ago. I was like, I will not go see movies with that guy in them. I will not. Woody Allen, similar vibe. So I've personally chosen where to put my money and who to cancel on a personal level. And I now, Johnny Depp's on that list 100%. No money from me, Johnny. Well, but Tom Cruise is devastated. So I feel like you can choose to do that, but why should the universe cancel him? If you want to hear more on the cancellation of Tom Cruise, there is a cancelled ep from last year that Jesse and Claire did. I'll pop a link to that in the show notes. And we've got a recommendation and it is a documentary. I do have a recommendation. It's called Our Father on Netflix. I want to preface this by saying I don't think it's a particularly well-made documentary. There's some sketchy reenactments, but the story is fascinating. It's the story of this fertility doctor in the US who was found to have inseminated dozens, if not hundreds of women with his own sperm without their knowledge. So there's this small town in America where within, let's say, a 20 kilometre radius, we know of at least 60 or so siblings who didn't know that they had half siblings, people who found out that the man they grew up with perceived as their father. So is people not went in for IVF or fertility treatment and he used his sperm. Yes. Oh my God, that wow. is absolutely. Where important. can we watch it? It's on Netflix. It's batshit crazy. Tell me what you think out loud as after you watch it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mama Mia Out Loud. It was a bit nostalgia tinged. It was produced by Emma Gillespie and Leah Porges, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. This podcast was made by Mamma Mia, the only women's media company in Australia. If you want to support women's media, we'd love it if you became a Mamma Mia subscriber. There is a link in the show notes.